Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the book of Ephesians, specifically chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Living in unity cannot happen until we start with an understanding of who we are in Christ and a commitment to accurately apply the truth that God has revealed to us. So let's study the six traits God expects of you in light of who you are in Christ. Please follow along with Pastor Jim in today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Worthy Walk of Oneness, Part 2. Humility is it's what you do. It's not what you talk about. Talk about truth. Talk about doctrine. Talk about God. Um, teach, preach, exhort, reprove, rebuke, build each other up. That is practicing humility, where you come alongside somebody and you you lift them up. You, you bring them along. I don't know who said it or I would give credit to them, but I agree. Humility has rightly been called the first, second, and third essential of the Christian life. We have to be willing to be what God wants us to be. Um, you're familiar with the words of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you younger, older, male, female, whatever you are, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. The worthy walk of oneness is a walk of humility. The worthy walk of oneness is also a walk of gentleness. That's the next word, with all humility and gentleness, verse 2. Gentleness is the word that you're probably, if you've been around for a while and maybe had older translations of the Bible, you're probably more accustomed to seeing this word translated meek or meekness. Remember, we ran across it in the Beatitudes, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And most people know that, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit um, the earth. There's not a thing wrong with the word meek, except that in its normal usage, it has come to have a rather passive, negative, wimpy sort of connotation to it. But the Greek word translated uh, gentleness is wrought in you by the, by the grace of God. It's not weakness, it's uh, appropriateness. And if you will, true meekness or godly gentleness is a matter of strength under control because we have the power of the Spirit, but it's controlling it in the right way so that when it comes to dealing with other people, there is a, a gentle, uplifting, caring, compassionate attitude about it. One famous scholar defined this word as that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing. 
Listen, we know God is sovereign. He's in control, right? We know He's all-powerful, and we know He's good. So when in His providence something happens, a Christian does not shout out, that's not fair. Oh, now, humanly speaking, there's lots, there's lots of unfairness, but never so with God. We come across gently. We, we don't critique God. We, we try to apply His goodness, His kindness, His gentleness, His faithfulness in our relationships with each other. Only a humble person who understands God's dealings can truly be, in this sense, gentle or meek. Here's something that was spoken by the same omnipotent Savior who, remember, on two occasions cleared the temple single-handedly. You know, I'm talking about Jesus, of course. And in Matthew 11, 29, or yeah, 11, 29, part of his invitation, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. Look at those two words he put together, gentle and humble, or meek and humble. So meekness obviously isn't weakness. Jesus was a man's man, and nobody resisted him, at least not successfully, when he cleared out the money changers and the, those um, selling sacrifices in the outer court of the temple. Oh, and by the way, you'll find gentleness in Galatians 5.23 as something that is produced by the Holy Spirit within you, part of the fruit of the Spirit. So this worthy walk of oneness is a walk of humility. It's a walk of gentleness. And thirdly, it's a walk of patience. Read on in verse 2 there. With all humility and gentleness, with patience. Very interesting word, patience. Uh, There are two words translated patient or patience uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, which causes some confusion because they're both legitimate translations in English. But this one actually is translated sometimes long-suffering. Again, that's a perfectly fine word. It actually captures the meaning of this Greek word. The problem is people today don't use the word long-suffering except in the sense of, oh, I've been suffering with him for a long time. Um, that, That kind of like putting up with something for a very, very long time. Well, there's a sense of that which is true, but the idea of this word is quite vivid. It comes from the word Macros or macros, whenever we see the word, the prefix in English, macro, it means big, right? Micro, small. Those are from two Greek adjectives, macros and mikros. So it comes from makros, which is large or long, and then the word thumos, which means temper. So it literally means to have a long temper. Well, what do you mean by that? When I get mad, I stay mad for seven weeks instead of three No. What's the opposite of a short temper? The short temper is the one that flies off the handle easily. The long temper doesn't. It means literally to to have a long fuse. And this word is used in interpersonal ways, that we should be, in this sense, patient. We should have a long fuse with one another. Now, the other word that's sometimes translated patience is better 
translated endurance. It's not used for people. It's used for circumstances. And it's the word that means the, the remaining under, the staying power to remain under something. When, you're, when you have circumstances that are impinging on you, you, you remain faithful, staying under that, practicing endurance so that in the end, God is glorified. God never calls you to suffer or to be tempted beyond what you are able. He provides the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. So two different words, one for circumstances, one for people. The one for people means, well, be patient with each other, not easily provoked by obnoxious people. Oh, and by the way, those are the only ones that provoke you, right? Because if they're smart enough to agree with you and not get in your way, you don't consider them as obnoxious. Right? We, we need this with each other. And think about this kind of from the reverse perspective for a moment. The fact that this exhortation is here, that in order for us to live out the unity that we have in Christ, we have to be patient with each other, implies that patience is necessary in the body of Christ. Because as God continues to grow the body of Christ, the the raw material that he has to work with is abominable. It's people like you and me. And we're saved sinners. And how many of you, on the day after you put your faith in Christ, suddenly changed into where your life is perfectly described by the fruit of the Spirit? All the time. Every day. It's not, no, we're, we're all in various stages of progressing in our sanctification. It's necessary that we have to be patient with each other. Preserving the supernatural unity that we have in Christ, it takes effort, a lot of it. Now, when this word is used about God and His patience, it describes His patience in dealing with sinners. And it means that God has chosen to withhold His wrath, to hold back on His wrath in order to grant time for sinners to repent. That's a pretty good pattern to follow, isn't it? It's not that you want sin to go unchecked, but you want your brother or sister in Christ to grow just as you want to grow. Oh, and by the way, if you were to scour through Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, you would also find there the word patience. This is the worthy walk of oneness, that we walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. It's a, it's a walk of humility and a walk of gentleness and a walk of patience. And then, oh, it gets even harder, a walk of tolerance. He says with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Tolerance is, if you will, the logical extension of a combination of humility and gentleness and patience. Tolerance comes from a a Greek word that means to hold up or to sustain or to bear without losing your composure. I like that. Not to not to fall apart, uh, to bear with or to, or to endure. Or to, to put it in our vernacular, yeah, I'm afraid it means we have to put up with each other. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.